Thanks for joining us for the second part of the Graham Alexander podcast. The second part, Graham will go on to talk about his midfielders and his strikers. If you haven't listened to the first part, go back and have a listen. Some fantastic stories and some great memories coming from uh, Graham Alexander. Have a listen, go back and enjoy this second part on midfielders and strikers. Today's episode of My Best Eleven is sponsored by NW Pitch Maintenance. Excellent. So we're back for part two um, for Graham Alexander's My Best Eleven. So far, we have um, Carlo Nash, Paul Longdon, Callum Davidson, Chris Lachetti and Steve Davis. So we're now moving on to his three midfielders. Take it away, <laughs> yeah. Graham, in whichever order you want to. Yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll sort of go along the, the same line. I'll go with the holding midfield player playing in front of the back four. It's sort of it's the role I, I eventually... Um, sort of extending my career with going to really, you know, talking about the well, I've talked in the past about being a fullback and the the defensive side I had to work a lot on. And then when I went to Burnley, it was weird because I, I signed for Steve Cottrell and I, I played the previous nine seasons fullback virtually every game. I think there was maybe one or two at Preston where I played in a different position, but basically fullback all the way through. Spoke to Steve Cottrell at Burnley um, for a good couple of days just about playing what the club wanted to do, this, that, the other. And then the minute I signed on a contract, he just pulled me to the side. He said, uh, by the way, I'm going to play you in centre midfield. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what do you tell me? I didn't know if you'd sign or not. <laughs> I was like, I guess, I, I, I just want to play. If I'm in the team, I'm happy. You know what I mean? And he goes, I just I just feel with your experience and where you are at this stage, UK, I think playing it midfield would be good for you and it'd be good for, your te- for our team, you know, with what you had. And honestly, I and I'd probably played half a season at Scunthorpe at central midfield and a bit at Luton, but more of the, on the right of a three. And I hadn't played as a genuine central probably most of my career. And uh, but I actually loved it. It was like it was like like I just said about the, the management side in a new lease of life. I actually felt right. Well, this is different. Right? How do I adapt to this? How, you know, it's a different game. You know, you know what it is, Marvin. When you're playing at the back, everything's yeah. in front of you. And it's quite, you, you're quite, you, you know, you've got a lot of time because everything's, you can see everything. And then you suddenly plonked in midfield where everything's around you. And it's like, you know, and I got, I did get caught out quite a lot at the start, you know, from people nicking the ball off me back because I'm sitting there going, where's my pass? Where's my pass? But bang, tackled, gone. So that gave me a new impetus to try and reinvent myself sort of thing. But, and I went back to right back for injury after that. Um, but then when later on Owen Cole came in and I went back as a, a genuine holding midfield player in front of that, and then um, that, that it was just I saw how important it, that was for for a team, you know, both in playing side and and uh, and defensively. So that's why I've gone for this shape. And you know, if I if I go if I go back to Luton, one of the biggest influences on my first year there was Gary Waddock. Um, I think he saw me as a a, pl- a young player who'd come out from the lower leagues, trying to fight my way into the team and everything like that. And he he, he was very good with advice and the right word at the right time. To, to you know to, to give me encouragement and stuff like that and um, you know I've come across against him in our managerial days a few times as well so um, he it, that type sort of was good and I played with a lad Brian O'Neill at Preston who came from Scottish but he'd been in Germany 
and he was just, you could see he played abroad. You know, he was so calm on the ball. He used his body to protect it and everything. Good defensively, we could get on the ball. Um, he was super. But the one I'm going to go for is the third one of that triangle of captains. Um, he was the captain when I joined Preston North End. Um, and he was he was a captain that when we won the, won the league, when we could play a final in the championship the year after. I played against him at Luton when he was at Darlington, and, he, and then went at, at Preston as well. Sometimes, and, and I was thought he, this about, about him. Was he a centre-half He, he well. played centre-half as well, yeah. He played at centre-half as well. So he played at, at centre-half in his younger days, and I think he went to Preston, yeah. they converted him into midfield player. And then when he finished, I think he went back to centre-half. But I, I knew him when I, when I joined Preston as a central midfield player. He was the captain. He was the... I, I, I did him a great disservice when I played against him previous to joining Preston, where I thought he was just a thug. I thought he was a big thug that went around booting people. <laughs> got it, yeah. Just, you know, the way he used to bowl around the pitch, you know, like this. And, <laughs> and, um, and I just... And I thought he was like that. But when I joined Preston... He, he was a miles better player than I gave him credit for before. You know, he could actually pass the ball, but I think he knew his role for the team was to destroy, to compete and all this. So sometimes he just concentrated on that. But actually when he, we moved up, when we went up to the championship and we had to, we had to play a bit more, he was just at, he was at home there. And, and then eventually he went to, I think West Brom signed him for a couple of million and he played in the Premier League with them in central midfield and that, and there. You know, he was a he was a, a love him or hate him type character. There was a lot of people that hated him outside of the club he played for, and sometimes inside because he was so he, yeah. But he was one of those players that was just straight in your face, brutally honest. You're crap. You better get your ass into gear. And this, that, and the other. He probably got sent off from training under David Moyes probably four or five times in 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 the time that we were there because he was just <laughs> he was a funny guy. Like you know, he was. He was just full of life. He was aggressive, in your face. Um, but he was like that in training. And, and sometimes we signed a couple of players that were sort of competitors for him. So he just booted them all over the park, you know, in training. <laughs> and he's like, I'm the boss here. I'm the man. You know what I mean? You're going to have to get past me. And a couple of times, like, David Moyes sent him off from training because it was crossed the line a little bit. Right. I remember him. Like, but then even then, when he's walking off the pitch, he's booting balls off the pitch. And, <laughs> you know, one of them type of guys. But, but, the next day, Moisey would forget about it. He'd be in the team on the Saturday. He'd be leading the team. Be, you know, he sort of knew what sort of character he was. Gave him the bit of leeway without letting him get too loose. Right. But he knew on Saturday, that's my man. Sean Gregan. Sean Gregan. Sean Gregan, mate. Yeah, he was. I agree. Uh, I agree with you. Like, I mean, I mean, obviously you you played with him, but like that's what he reminded me of. Like a bit of yeah. a thug. I mean, he used to bowl yeah. around and he used to strut around. <laughs> but like, that's his confidence. That's that's. I mean, yeah. I like that in people. Yeah, I think. Well, I think because he had a big ass and he, he couldn't really walk normally, so it was like <laughs> walking around. But he was honestly, he was. I, I, I've never, I've never said it to him. Like you know, because uh, you know, but. I always thought, you know what, you're actually a real player as well. But if there was a fight to be had and a war to be had, it'd be in the middle of it, at the front of it, and probably starting it. Do you know what I mean? But but that that was him, you know what I mean? And he was he was a larger than life sort of captain, you know what I mean? I think, you know, and um, and the success we had at Preston, you know, with him being the captain was, you know, we won the league in our first year. Second year, we got to the playoff final for the, to the Premier League. So we were one game away from a double promotion into the Premier League and he was the captain all the way through. 
And then the, the I think actually that year he played a lot at centre half because our, our centre half got suspended for the first couple of games. So he he slotted in centre half and played just as well there. You know, he was a good good guy, bit you know, just um but like a, a proper character, proper old school character, you know. Yeah, first first at the bar, you know, probably dragging everyone else off the bus to get in the bar and making sure they stay there in a headlock and all that sort of thing. So it, um, yeah, it was, I'm glad I got the opportunity to play with him rather than just against him because it gave me a different idea of what he was as a, as a guy and as a player. And, and he, that's the, the you know, that, those three, you know, Chris Ketty, Steve Davis and, and Sean Gregan yeah. at the base and in the middle of your team. That's, um, that's some leadership and competitiveness that's the rest just, is going to flourish on. And just going back into what you've mentioned, those like the sort of like the three captains, is is that something in that sort of characters you've looked for when you have been manager at clubs, that sort of role or those yeah. players you just spoke about? Yeah, definitely, Marv. You know, we, we in our recruitment this summer for Salford, you know, when I spoke to the, the recruitment team, the head of, head of recruitment, I said, captains and leaders. We need captains and leaders because we changed the squad over a lot in the in the last six months and the, the players, unfortunately, we had to move on, were the biggest characters and our biggest leaders. Brilliant, brilliant pros. You know, I mean, the captains, just the, the spine, you know, and I knew it wasn't just a case of replacing the actual player. It was a, it was a case of replacing the character and the personality and the leader. And and we we did I say we have left there now, but we did do that in the summer. And and it was certainly I knew what we wanted playing wise, but a lot of research was gone into right, who did they captain? Did they win promotion before who have they led? What type of leader? We spoke to a lot of people about them and, and it's massive, Marv. As a manager, you know, you I think you don't want to be the only voice as a manager or the coach. You know, Correct. you don't you, you want you want people that take that message into the change rooms. You know, I'm not a, a manager that's in the in the change rooms from Monday to Friday. That's that that's the players' environment. But you still need your message, professionalism on winning mentality, everything. It needs to be interwoven through your team. So you need those pros that are gonna do that, set the standards in training. You know, that you know that that's the you know I think the good teams are played in or come into have had those characters you know and I've, I've talked about Paul Longdon being an influence on me as a as a young lad you know because of the way he trained and the way he was you know Chris Lecetti Steve Davis these people I, I you know I, I I took influence off these people and and I think as a as if you're a pro and a player who wants to win who wants to train well who, who wants to do these things right you want to look around and be surrounded by these type of guys as well you don't want to be lost in it. He's not really bothered or it don't work. So you, I think the more you can have, the more it encourages more towards that type of character. Mate. I, 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 in this, the teams that I've been successful as a manager, there's, I, I can name three players in each team, bang, 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 captain leaders that set the standard in training, in the change room, everything. Uh, and that uh, you need them. They're massive. I, I'll be honest. I felt probably my last two or three years as a player was more to do with that I was probably chosen as a from the manager, you know, to play more for that than I was actually my football in whatever I added to the football side. I think it was more to do with what I gave in the changing or on the training pitch or in the games of that side, to be honest. Um, and and I, I think they're I think they're invaluable. You know, you know that as well, Marv. You'd have had them as your yeah. player. You know, you you'd, yeah. you'd have those players where you, you're led by you to, and and, uh, and you look up to. And I think it's the way it should be, really. And I think those type of players. And, and I, I don't even think it's just in football. I think it's in any sport. I think it's in any business. Yeah. I think it's people that set the standards and, and lead the way in their behaviour, in their motivation, their ambition. That it's infectious for everyone. I think the most successful managers of like, I mean, 
yourself, I mean, promotion and stuff like that, you've identified that. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure it goes all the way to the Premier League with Klopp and Guardiola that they know as soon as they arrive at a certain club what they're looking for in a leader. And yeah. so if it's not already there, if they can't assess it and say, well, like, within six weeks or whatever it, you may call it, that they can't assess one there, they will go out and get one. Yeah, without a doubt, mate. I, th- I think the, the biggest one that's the, the best example of that at the moment and for the last two or three years is Jordan Henderson at Liverpool. You know, I, th- I think there's been, he's had to fight like hell to, to stay at Liverpool over the last few, uh, over, you know, since before Klopp was there and actually prove himself to the, to the, the football world and to the supporters of Liverpool that he's worthy of being there as a player initially, but then taking over the armband, you know, from Steven Gerrard and that, and then playing week in, week out in the biggest games for Jurgen Klopp in the best team in the world. And and people still trying to um, identify what he brings to the team as in a player. They're going, you know, he doesn't score loads of goals. He doesn't do... There's, there's got to be... There's something there, without a doubt, that, that isn't... On a laptop, numbered, you know, yeah. where sports science guys, oh, he's he's hitting ninety eight on this or da da da. That as a human being, that he has got that leads that group of players to unbelievable achievement, and that is through his personality, his character, and that leadership. And those managers that pick him have identified that. Yeah, it's probably only the one statistic that does prove it is the win ratio with and win ratio without. That's probably, and I don't know that factually, but it's probably one of no. the few things that does back it up. But you know, what? It, it could be it could, it could be how he is on the training pitch. You know, as a manager, I want this standard set on the set on the training pitch, right? Who sets that standard? Oh, it's Jordan Henson, mm. right? This is how I want him to speak. You know, generally about the club and and how, what we do things. Who who is that? Oh, it's Jordan Henson. Actually, who's the one that's first in the gym and does his prehab stuff and then he's in the gym after training? Oh, it's Jordan Henson. And these are things that go. I want all my other players to follow that guy. And so when a man, when a player comes in and he's moaning why he ain't in the team. You say, well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to copy him. Yeah. Because, and honestly, it's the, it's the easiest way to manage. You go, well, he's in my team every week and he does this and he does that. And by the way, he's 10 years older than you. So there's no reason why you can't do the same thing. Do you know what I mean? That, that's the thing. Because yeah. listen, I was a player. Matt was a player. We, we're great at finding an excuse why we didn't do something. Do you know what I mean? You know, or why, why we can't do something. Oh, I've got a stiff back. Uh, see, I'm, I'm 38 now. and bull, It's all bull. It's all bull. You, you you know what I mean? You can set those standards and, and, I, and I think that they're, they're brilliant to have. And I learned that as I went through my, through my career. You know, for, well, as a young player, I used to look up to them but didn't understand what they actually meant to me, you know, as he, how they improved me. But when I was in my 30s, I went, oh yeah, I knew what I took from him. And then I tried to be that player again, you know what I mean, for the, for the younger players. Sometimes I was an ass. I know that, you know what I mean, with, with the younger players and I, I didn't let them off the hook. I, you know, I, I demanded the best from them all the time. But I think over time they actually grew to trust me where it was coming from that I just wanted them to be the best they could be and everything. And that's I think I think that's what Burnley bought when I was 35, 36. I don't think they were buying this magical player that was going to transform their team into this. I think they were and probably a lot to do with Steve Davis telling Steve Cottrell what I was like and in training and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's what they they signed rather than the actual playing side of me. Similar to um, I mean I think he was a good player anyway, but. Milner, why he's lasted so long? I mean, yeah. and it's like yeah. Liverpool. We're not we're not talking about Milner at somewhere like I mean Rotherham, still playing. And say Rotherham were in the like Championship. We're talking about Milner at Liverpool. Yeah, 
the, be- the best team in the world right yeah. now. Mm. He's there. And if there's a go-to guy, Klopp turns around and goes, him, bang. Left back, right wing, centre mid. Goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah goalkeeper. He probably would yeah. I'll tell you now, if they put an outfield in, it'd be him. And it'd yeah. be him or Henderson. I think Henderson actually has gone in goal for him, actually, to be fair. But, I think he has. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, the, these people, uh, the, these players, characters, Honestly, they're worth their weight in gold and, and more. And and it's hard, excuse me, it's hard for sometimes people outside that environment to actually value that or see it. You know, I think, well, why is he always playing? Or why, why, is he, <laughs> why, is he, why is he taking their rules? It's because of what they give. And, and, and football is a game played by humans, not robots. And not, it's, not money, it's not money ball. No, no, it's not. And it's not joy, It's not joysticks. I know it's, they're trying to get it like that, but it's not. It's, it's human beings with emotions and characters and personalities. And you need those people in there, leaders, and, and I think I think those those type of guys are they're brilliant to be. Here. And you know what? You love being around them as a coach or a manager because you ask them, mate, you you want you put on a challenge, you go like, and you know they're going to be up for it. So you actually go for them first. I want you to try this because you know they're going to go. Go on then, and they, and they they set the way. Yeah, awesome. So Flair. Now we've got our our spine, our yeah. our hard men, our captains. What yeah. are we going for, Flair wise? Everywhere else. <laughs> The the um, right the flare flare flares a sort of word but um, no it's there's two players <laughs> we won't no, we'll, we'll, edit, we'll edit your quote marks out it's fine yeah, so the players won't get offended yeah that's a horrendous <laughs> idea but no the flare look because <laughs> one one of them is and one of them probably would count himself as a flare player but they but they're both good footballers I mean you know I look across the players that I was trying to select you know I've got got them written down here I've got guys that have played with at Luton, then I've got players that have played with over career, and they're, they're all sort of similar type type of players. You know, like the, I know he's a bit of a madman, but Kerry Hughes went at, at Luton. You know what I mean? He was, you know, I, I got really close with Kerry, but he was, he was a madman, wasn't he? And he was like... He was madman, a madman, but he was, he had ability. He had... What do you mean madman? I always thought he was quite quiet. He looks, came across as kind of the kid with curtains. <laughs> he Kerry. was quite quiet. I mean, I suppose from, from the inside, obviously we had it at first hand, but... He was a nutter, Andrew. I mean, again, and you don't have to edit this out. I mean, because it's, it's, it's the truth. And I speak to Kerry every now and then on Twitter. I mean, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, I mean, it's like, you know, right foot, left foot. Good oh. score. Well, he can make a tackle. He, he was fit. You know what I mean? He loved to, loved to be a social with the, with the boys. And, you know, because yeah. he lived around the corner from me and Milton Keynes and Marv. So he was, um, you know, people like him, Ray McKinnon, who joined us later on. You know, these guys are footballers, you know. Ray, Ray was right and left. He'd take corners with both feet, wouldn't he? Ray? Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. and these, these guys, like, they they were midfield, just footballers, you know, not really good along, along the spectrum of being a midfield player. I played with Darren Fletcher and Barry Ferguson for Scotland, who were, were real good players at playing at top levels, you know, Man United, Rangers and everything. These guys were really good players, midfield players that I played with, but... The two I've gone for is one I've played with. I think I probably played more games with him than I did for any with any other teammate because he was there when I joined Preston. He was there when I left. Um, and uh, he was a one-club man up to a certain point. I think he was there for about 12 years. Um, he Then he went off to Nottingham Forest. Then he went to Hull. Um, and uh, he's, uh, he, shares the, he shares the name with a, a famous magician. Um, oh, blonde hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, blonde, yeah. Hair. blonde, blonde oh. hair, yeah, yeah, blonde hair. But he was like 
he, I, I play, he played on the left. He sort of played on left midfield when I first went there. But then he was a central midfield player, basically. And David Moyes eventually the OM, played him in central midfield. And he just had a great end. Played McGregor? Right McGregor? McGregor? Nearly, 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 nearly. Thinking, oh, thinking, Mac. Thinking, yeah, McKenna. McKenna. Paul McKenna. Paul McKenna. Yeah. Paul McKenna, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Paul McKenna was like, yeah, he was a young kid when I, when I got there. He was 20, I think he was 21, young young pro at North End. And um, he sort of used to play off the left a little bit, like, but he wasn't a winger. He was a midfield player and he was, he, he was a little bit like the, I thought he, he was very understated, um, but could score spectacular goals, could run up and down all day long, make passes, make tackles. He was only 5'8", trying to be kind to him there, but he, uh, you know, it, a bit of a chunk, but he weren't. I mean, he was solid, but people used to think, you know, oh, he's got a bit of weight, but he didn't. His mum and dad actually used to cook our meals for us at the training ground every day because they're like pressing through. For Brilliant. Got to know them really well. But over the years, with me playing at right back in him central midfield, and we got a really good understanding how we did the play. So we we play little cute passes to each other. He knew, we almost automatically knew where we were, where we were going to be. What we, how we wanted to receive a ball, what we were as players. And it, it was just, um, you know, I eventually became really good mates with him. He'd been on a couple of holidays with his family and like that. Um, but he was uh, just a, we always felt he was one of those players that's underappreciated by everybody else. But inside, all the players go, McKenna, McKenna. You know that, you know that player's player? Yeah. Yeah. He, he was he was quality like that, and I was buzzing when he got his his move to to Nottingham Forest because I think it gave everyone actually a, sort of a, a new vision of him. Oh, he he went to Forest and did great, really good things and Hall and and it's like a player him, can and all this lot, and then you see the players that come in after him and they're not quite as good, and then players like oh, Paul McKenna was some player, wasn't it? You know, it's almost so, you know you you better sometimes when you're gone or you're not playing, right? Yeah, you know, it was like, but for me, he was. Um, and I'll put him in because we had a real good understanding. He was one that just loved training every day. He weren't a big football lover off the pitch. You know, he'd rather be fishing or stuff like that. He never watched a game of football. He was like, you know, it could be the World Cup final. And we'd be talking about it. He'd be like, was that yesterday? <laughs> he was just like that. But I think it gave him a sort of detachment from the game, which made him just, just go out and play every week, you know. And I thought he was... It, it was one... It was probably go back to Steve Davis here, really. What you meant to say out of the t- out of this team out, with Steve and Paul McKenna, they they should have played. They should Steve probably if he'd had another yard of pace would have definitely played in the Premier League for yeah. years. You know what I mean? Because it's you know what I mean. But there's always something that holds us back at some, and he would have played in the Premier League. And I think with McKenna, I think I think David Moyes has actually said that he regrets not taking him to Everton when he left Preston. You know what I mean? Because because he worked with him every single day. And, what what top player he was, so he 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 would get in that team as well because of his consistency over the eight years I was at Preston, never had a bad game, just always at it, always there, just so reliable and a good player. And if you put a little compilation of his goals, he didn't score loads, but then they'd just be spectacular left foot volleys or you know, chips or something like that. He just had that ability to do that. So he's, he'd be on the he'd be on the right hand side of that midfield for a get. Did you say he was he was chunky? Did you, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, so, you know, so I, I, remember, I remember him, and I because when he's talking about it, I'm thinking 
I know he's talking about his blonde there. I thought he was like quite slim and quite skinny and very a bit there like was, a David Priest. There was another guy at uh, Preston uh, called Lee Cartwright who played in front of me, right right wing, and he was like that long, like blonde there, but really skinny, but like. But, the, but now I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm on about because did he have like a little bit blonde curlyish hair? Like, yeah, yeah, like a, Paul McKenna, yeah, yeah. He, he's probably yeah. in his younger days when he played for Preston. Younger days, he, probably. And then he, he wasn't, like, he looked chunky now. And he was, he was chunky, like, he had a bit of an arse on him in it, but he could run, he'd be at the front of the running every day. You know what I mean? Right. He was, his body fat was down there and he just, you know, he was just that built. You know, his mum and dad were the same. So, but he was a, a, a top, top player and should, and should have played in the Premier League opportunity. Unfortunately, yeah. just kept feeling, uh, falling short like we all did at Preston you know, by losing playoff finals every second or third year. So, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll it's move on to the other... Move the across other, the other side, yeah. Yeah, the other midfield on, on the left-hand side, and, it, and you probably... This is where your flair comes in, which you talked about, Andrew. Is, uh, a lad I played with at Burnley um, was, a, was a winger of, uh, originally um, and... Got converted into when we changed the formation from four two to four three three, and I got moved from fullback into the the middle one. He got converted from the right wing into the the right sided midfield player, and we just hit it off from there. It was he just wanted to dribble, take people on, score goals. I was sort of the security blanket behind. Um, it, it was a, we had a weird relationship as as in he bickered and fought in every game. You know, I was screaming and telling him to do one thing. He'd be telling me to do one and I'm going to do this and do that. And constant, and it was constant. I mean, virtually every game. But, I, you know, I speak to him every now and then. Now still, you know, we, we, we get on great. It was just on the pitch. He had very strong opinions. I had very strong opinions. Sometimes they differed. And um, From London? Is he from sorry. London? Uh, he is. He is from... He is, he's from down there. Yeah, yeah. We, um, I think Burn, Burnley signed him from Bournemouth. I think, um, and then he, yeah, he's, he's a, he, I think, uh, I'm not sure whereabouts in London, but he's, he's definitely a Southern guy. Um, scored probably the biggest goal in Burnley's recent history in the last 20 years in the playoff final when we, oh, that's when, my we idea. When, when we beat Sheffield United at Wembley in 2009. I can't um, think who scored that. I was, I was thinking of someone, I'm going to say him anyway, but like you threw me. I didn't think he was at Bournemouth, but I'm going to say him anyway. Um, yeah. Glenn Little. No, no, because I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't play with Glenn. I played against Glenn. I remember when I was listening to Steve's uh, podcast and he was talking about him. And to be fair, he was hurt against him. He was so he was, no. He was um, he was a, he, a lot smaller than him. He, he was. I was like going a, Aaron. Le- I was saying Aaron Lennon, but no, no. He, I mean, he was that sort of. Was he? No, he's a bit bigger than that. I, I won't, I won't. He's. I think he's. Uh, he's current coaching at. Um, at Cheltenham, another guy uh, with Michael Duff, but it's uh, Wade Elliott. Wade Elliott. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah. So he, he sort of, he was converted. He hated being on the wing. I mean, he was a winger. You know, I played against him when I was at Preston as, as a fullback and he was on the wing and, and he was really hard to play against, but he wanted to play inside one and all this sort of thing. But when we went to a three, it gave him the opportunity to do that. So, you know, I'd just be patrolling in front of their back four and four my passes and the guys in front it was a it was a, a back five a back four and me and five that just basically would do anything they wanted to and that's probably where a lot of our arguments came from because I hope I this that and the other but he, he had brilliant ability um could take the ball everywhere could could get you up the pitch 60 yards with one mazy run could score some great goals and, and to be fair without his 
goal at, at Wembley in 2009, I wouldn't succeed in my dream to play in the Premier League. He was uh, a top player and, and um, you know, I think he went to play for Bristol City and Birmingham after that. But uh, he was a, a real good player and a real, real successful team. Great. And he, he could play, you know, look at Paul McKenna and Wade Elliott and Sean Gregan to, with a centre-half, but they could play in different positions. So if you wanted to change your team, you know, Wade could play out on the right, uh, Paul McKenna play on the left and stuff like that. So... These were, I think these are players that were footballers that you do this job. They're intelligent, technical to go, I can do that role. And I think that's a, I think that's a big thing. You have that, you know, you, you embrace that sort of opportunity to change a position or to play in someone else for the team, do what it takes for the team, not be scared of it and just go, right, how can I adapt to this? And I think um, I think those two got McKenna and Wade at it was certainly great. Fabulous. So today's episode of My Best Eleven is sponsored by NW Pitch Maintenance. Providing pitch maintenance for grassroots football clubs across the Northwest. You can email at andy.nwpitch at icloud.com or call on 0772-3860-145. For more info, reach out at www.northwestpitchmaintenance.co.uk. Thank you. Forwards. Right, I mean, the big bucks people get paid the money to score the goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell you, as a manager, now I know why they got the big bucks. I tell you now, mate, flipping up. And now I know, as a fullback, why you don't. <laughs> is it is it true? Obviously, you're manager. I know you're not going to give us numbers and stuff. But is it true that the further up the pitch you go, the, the wages do go up? Um, I think on the whole, I think I think the, the centre forward. Strikers, hundred yeah. percent. There's not been a club that I've managed to somewhere where the highest paid player hasn't been sat. And, and, and I knew that as a player as well. Even even in my thirties, when I, you know, when I was at, at Preston, I got to a point where I knew my value as as a, you know, I was captain there. But I knew, but I knew, you know, I, I started doing my own contracts with the club because I felt well, I don't need an agent to go in and renegotiate my contract. I, I, I pretty much know where the wage structure is. I know I'm not going to get paid what player A and B are getting because they're yeah. 23 or 20 goals or whatever. But I'm also the captain. I know what I value. So I should be somewhere in that. But yep. it was always behind centre force. And, 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 and I would say, say Marv, centre house as well. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I mean, I was. Uh, I mean, all I know is that when you're at one club, I w- I'm not going to mention obviously um, yeah. like well, Luton, but I mean, at one club, I mean, in my head, it was always that when you came through the ranks, it was, yeah. you mean, you, you, there, you heard figures, players were getting like yeah. ridiculous amount of money. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was happy with my contract, obviously, because I would never have signed them at the end yeah. of the day. But you just feel that you got a little bit undervalued being at a club the yeah. whole year, career and hearing figures of certain figures being thrown around. But I was want to yeah. just want to jump back to what you've just said there about doing your own contract, because I mean, within the research in the summer of 2007, I think it was, I think um, club captain and they turn in a bid of 50,000 or something from palace. And then um, I think they were quoted as saying, well, we're not going to um, sell um, Graham Alexander he's a captain and he's a vital member of our squad and then in August you go to Burnley <laughs> I know. that was the it, it, the, the actual the Crystal Palace thing was the year before actually. Oh, okay. it, it was 2006 but they came in and, they bit, and I was I think I was before at the time and, and they wanted to sign me I, I didn't want to leave you know I'd been at Preston for six seven years 
had a brilliant time there. Still felt we could get to the Premier League and, and everything. You know, I was playing for and, um But they, anyway, they turned, turned the bid down, gave me another year on my contract, which was great. The following season, it happened again. That's when Steve rang me about Burnley and saying, you know, would you would you consider coming coming across and this, that, the other. And I was captain of Preston and all this stuff. He goes, yeah, but you've only got a year left on your contract. I said, well, yeah. He goes, well, we're prepared to offer you two years. I said, right. And I was coming, I was 35. And, and then, by then I'm going, well, that's two more years of championship, which is which is great, guaranteed. But I, I said to Steve, I goes, but look, my initial thing is to stay, stay at Preston. So I spoke, I spoke to the manager at Preston. I said, look, this offer's on the table. I don't want to go. I don't want to go anywhere, but I'm 35. This was the second or the third game of the season. So really early on, I had the rest of that season contract. And I said, but they're offering me a two-year contract. But look, and it was actually more money as well than the most money I ever earned. I said to Preston, I said, look, Imagine, I, I just wanted a, another season. Another I said, look, yeah. I, another year. I don't want a penny more. Stay what I'm on. Take me to 10 years. I just want to stay here. And, they, and the manager the manager was like, well, we want to see how your legs are and your fitness are. And, well, and, and honestly, this was three days after me playing my 400th game. Which like there's only ten players before that bunch of games pressing, and this was in eight seasons. So I basically played fifty games every season for eight years. I said, "What? And you, and you want to see how fit I am?" I, th- I go, I, th- "I think you know how fit I am, yeah. uh, and you know my legs ain't gonna go." And also, and, and but there was a, there was another thing behind it that they'd signed a lad Billy Jones on as a right back from Crew, and they'd signed him on a, a tribunal and um, good players, twenty one, but they paid a lot more than what they thought they were. Gonna you know, I think I think they were hoping to get four hundred grand. I think it turned out about five hundred grand. Now he was on the bench behind me, and I'm sitting there going, "Well, not many half million pound subs at Preston. Or eventually, he's going to be in the team at some point." I'm 35. I think there's a there's a thing going on here where I think that we'll get to Christmas and say, "Look, we're not going to offer you a contract," and then I'm free to go. By that time, Billy Jones is in the team. Blah blah blah. And I and I couldn't afford to let it go to that. Do you know what I mean? I was like. No, I, I I have a need new contract. I need to be able to speak to. Them. I'm not waiting till Christmas, and then yeah. at the end of the season, I'm 36 out of contract with all the other players. I, I, yeah. I can't I can't do that. You know what I mean? I, you know this timing in the game, and honestly, and so <laughs> it was brilliant because I, I spoke to the manager. I can't say I'm a captain. I'll get home. I mean, I'll get battered and all this stuff. I spoke to the chairman. He said the same, and then I said, look. I'm, I'm in a position. You know, I love pressing on. You know, I want to stay. This that, the other. and then, um, but I have to look after my, my family. This that, the other. and uh, anyway, the, the chairman of pressing rang the chairman at Burnley. I think he thought they, they wanted for free or something. And then I think as soon as they said we'll give you two hundred grand, he was like, right, he'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> 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 and then I got a, I got a phone call from the chairman. Graham, Graham, I really don't want to lose you, but uh, I think you can go and speak to him. Right? Yeah, I know because you've spoke to him and they've offered you two hundred grand. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, for someone for someone who they had eight years previous for fifty grand or whatever. So, um, but it was weird because, like, I, honestly, I got I got uh, presented with a silver salver from the chairman on the pitch. My, my family, my kids, and all picture on the on the pitch. My four hundredth game, all that lot. And three days later, I was at Burnley with the biggest rivals. You know what I mean? Just overnight sort of thing. It was like wow. It was it was a madness. And I played. We played Colchester my last game here. And then the first game for Burnley a week later was Colchester away. So I was playing the exact same team again seven days later. And like it, it was it was horrendous because I, honestly, my wife didn't want me to leave. She was going just stay here, don't worry, it'll work out. My dad didn't want me to leave. To be fair, my teammates didn't want me to leave. Myself, but I knew I had to I had to make this decision professionally happen. You yeah. know what I mean? 
But I did honestly, I was in tears when I left. You know, you know what I mean, Marv? I'm not a big emotion. I was in tears when I left because I didn't I didn't I didn't want to go, you know what I mean? I loved it, but I knew I would be leaving at some point. Yeah. And I wanted to leave on my terms when yeah. it's when it was better for me than being chucked out with eight hundred yeah. other players at the end of the season when I was thirty six. So um so that's how it came about really. And and it was, you know, it, it it worked out really. I mean, look, it worked out brilliant for me because a year and a half later, I eventually got to the Premier League, which I never envisaged at all with, with Burnley. But um, it was just a really, really strange time. But you know, a big point, and that was Steve, Steve Davis. Being. But yeah, it was a, it was a yeah, and that, and that was some. I, I think well, um, it was an agent that I sort of spoke to, Gordon Armstrong, who was Steve's mate who played for Burnley, and I, I just said, look. I remember leaving Preston for any, you can do the work for me, but if I'm staying here, I'll, I'll sort out it myself and that's how it works for us. So. Awesome. Interesting. Right. Very anyway, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back, back to the theme. Yeah. So anyway, the, back to the money makers and the money earners. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I play, you know, the, it's going to be difficult because I, I haven't actually got a Luton player in this front. front uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's your team. That's what I'm saying. It is. Yeah. It's, but, you know, I, I look back and, you know, obviously, Scott Oakes was there when I first got there. You know what I mean? It was the hot, the, the the main man, really, wasn't he? He was. He wasn't there for long after. I think he, he left that season. I think um, my first season, anyway. After he had that spectacular season, the season before, um, he was a top quality player. Dave Oldfield, who I got to know really well over my yeah. my time at, at Luton, great guy, brilliant guy, and and played at a top level. You know, with Man City yeah. and everything, and Leicester, and. Um, you know, he came back and continued to score goals for Luton. The one that's that can be really uh, disappointed missing out is Thorpe. You know, t- you know, Tony Thorpe was you know, it was great because like, he was a young player when I first got there, and um, actually I got changed in the in the the away change room when we first came when I first came to Luton. I, yeah, I wasn't in the. I, I found it I found it difficult really when I first come to Luton because I, I played two hundred first team games by that stage, and I was twenty three, and I, you know. Felt like I'd earned my stripes, and then I walked into Luton. And I'm immediately put into the. Why? Who put you in there? That's weird. I don't know. It was just because they had a, they had a sheet on the on the front of each paper, uh, front of each door, which player to go in where. You know what I mean? And and I think I was in the same hotel as Steve. And obviously, we drove in to get you know driving the same car and walked in the right. corridor. And then he went into the home team changing room the first day, and I went into the away team. I then, never knew that until yeah. this day. That is so yeah. strange. I, I was in there with all the young pros like Mark Apple, McLaren, Kel Davis, Thorpe, all these, all the young ones are trying to break in. And immediately, and, and look, this is so, it, it took me ages to get over. You know, I, I to, to actually feel like I was a first team player because I thought, is that where they see me? Not. But, but, but again, that's, that's, I mean, we paid money for you. And again, he yeah. signed yeah. with Steve, and I'm thinking, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's drained. I didn't notice that you, you yeah, got changed in the way team dressing room. Yeah, yeah, with all the all the young pros, and I was like, and I just remember it like, and thought, I, I, I'm sure thought, yeah, thought he was in there because you know what thought he was like. He never showed yeah. up, you know. So he was, he was like, this, you know, taught, and he was one of the first ones I, I reckon, you know, noticed and sort of thing. But yeah, that was a that was a real. It was a bit of a blow to my self esteem a little bit when I first got there. I, I think it was. It's what I felt quite a long time to actually settle into I, I didn't actually feel settled into the club until the following season in League One because I, then I played regular every week whereas the first season I probably played I think I started maybe 25-30 games in and out the team struggled got relegated and everything but I think that first day going in there actually I think I think I should be in there a little because I played 
200 senior games. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a kid. I know I'm 23, but I'm not a kid. I think it was yeah. maybe I'd come up from the fourth division, but I don't know. Anyway, that was that was it. But Thorpe, he was, you know, he, he took a bit of time to... He probably established himself in the second year as well, you know, in, in League One. But he had two years where he, he just couldn't stop scoring, could he? You know, and, and make sure everyone knew about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, he was there. Uh, I mean, he was a funny, funny character. Great. I, I used to love him. Yeah, he, he'd be a moan, moaning about. Yeah. I give it to my feet, guys. I want it in behind, guys. <laughs> and now it's Morpy and all this stuff. And he was with everyone, wasn't he, like that? And all yeah. this stuff. But his confidence and his cockiness was brilliant. I, I loved yeah. it. You know, I think, um, you know, I, me- I remember, him, I remember him scoring a goal, and it was when he was in the middle of his, you know, streak of two seasons, basically. But. I think I think he scored a hat trick. I, I know what you're talking about. You talk about Rotherham. It might have been Rotherham. I don't know. It might yeah, it might have been that. But I remember him running away, <laughs> him running away, and, and I'm next to him, like me, and he's going, "Who's marking me? Who's <laughs> <laughs> you know, to himself, just say, yeah. <laughs> "Who's marking me?" And all this like just running off. And, and I remember but he did the I, I, with a four on his. Yeah, he lifted his top and it was one nil, and then on the back he had two nil, and it worked out one nil and two nil, and he scored both. <laughs> it was just it, it, it got. I mean, again, like we was talking yesterday about stories, how they come back into your head. When you just mentioned that, and get Lenny Lawrence again, story, because he, he thought he was scoring for fun. That I mean, like you said, for those two years, but that one season he was just like yeah. bang, Forby. Yeah. You could just know if Luton went one up, four yeah. was the score score. And we were playing at Rotherham, I think it was, and we were like comfortable, like winning week in, week out. And Lenny said, he goes, if he gets a hat trick today, this is how he was talking. If he gets a hat trick today, I'm taking him off. I'm taking him off. And I think it was Rotherham. I think he got a hat trick and he took him off. Yeah. yeah he he took him off. I can't remember him saying that and taking him off. Yeah, because he, yeah, he was scoring that many. And then again, in a roundabout way, we were we, we knew it was a team, but he was the it was like the owners was always on four piece. So I think Lenny was trying to like think, well, right. I'm going to take him off and see now someone else now come um, <laughs> bring yeah. someone else to the table sort of thing. Yeah. Rather, it's just him scoring. Because like yeah. at some point you might not have him. So what yeah. are we going to do? Sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was a good job we did have him though, like to be fair. But, um, <laughs> it was, but he was good, wasn't he? He was quality, yeah. you know what I mean? And I played against it because he went to Fulham, obviously had a great move. And I played against him when I went on to Preston and played against him a couple of times. It was good to speak. You know, he, I just think that I played with players after that mm-hmm. at the higher level and were from uh, played at high level and scored more goals and this, that, and probably had longer careers. But th- those three guys for me stood out from the time then. And, you know, I'll go, I'll go to my, my time at Preston and, and Burnley, really, and like David Ricardo, wow. Richard Creswell, Jay Rodriguez, who's playing playing now, you know, at Burnley, but he was only a young kid coming through. In my time there, but I mean, a top, you could tell he was going to be a top player straight away. Martin Patterson, who, who scored low goals when we promoted, Steve Thompson, all these guys that I played with were top notch. But the ones when I went to Preston, there was there was a lad there. If I take them in order of when I played with them, when I first went there, there was a lad who had signed from Preston S from Manchester United, young young lad, and um, similar to Thorpe, really, where he had two seasons for, for Preston where it was just like goal, goal. He was full. And he was built like Mark Hughes, looked a bit like Mark Hughes, like massive quads, chunk, chunk of the guy. Um, wrap it into him, take it in, roll the defender, bang it in top, could score, spectacular goal, scored. Possibly the best goal I've been on the pitch for against Man City, who he, he went on to play for, um, where he took a touch on halfway line on the turn and then just volleyed it 
50 yards in the air and it's in the top corner. It was live on. And Kevin Keegan was the manager then. I think that was the moment he went, who's that? And I'll need him and I want him. And eventually he signed him for £5 million. And um, he went on to Man City. Probably didn't hit the heights that we all thought he would, but still had a very good career um, in the Premier League. Scored a famous goal for Man City when they come back against Tottenham. Um, when they were 3-0 down with 10 men at half-time and they won 4-3. And he scored the winner in the last minute ahead of I can't. I know. I can, again, it's similar to earlier on. I can see his face. I can. I can see him running. I can. Another goal you're talking about, and I just can't think of his name. Can you, Andrew? Oh. No, I've got my head in my hands. I'm trying to. Th- it, 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 it's it's one of the, one of these where he was. Mark Hughes is the the biggest uh, sort of easiest thing you can go. You can go. He's like, but it's uh, a lad called John Macken. John Macken, that's it. I, I knew it. He's still like. I think he scored 20 odd goals in the season in the league. Uh, yeah, 20 odd great player. Season after the championship, continued to to do that. He scored, I think he scored 50 goals in two seasons. Yeah. But it weren't just you weren't just a goal scorer. If it was a fight, it'd be up there, bang, knocking centre out all over the place. He could run in the channel, he could hold it up. It was just like I was like, this is a complete all round centre thing. Mm-hmm. With the added, he scores fun. Oh. And um, and I th- and I think he I think it was some. I remember when I first joined. He had this, he had, I think he had a name for the, that season that um, he didn't score. And I think he did everything but score. Like he did all the work outside the box, all that sort of And I remember Dave Moyes working with him all the time, all the time. It was one of them, I think he's probably in a similar uh, situation to me where he probably, Dave Moyes probably signed him, said, You do this, do that, but I'll improve this, that. Yeah. And then went and did it. And that's what turned him into a five million pound player. You know, I think that's what he added into him. And once he got on a, on a roll, he, you know, <laughs> It's how, it's how we went from League One to the Championship with exactly the same squad. We didn't, honestly, we didn't have any players to that. And to play a final in the Championship with a basic group of players that hadn't played in. I'd had 30 games for Luton, you know, at the age of 27. Rob Edwards had played a couple, Mark Rankin, but none of the years have ever played in the Championship. We finished fourth behind, it was Bolton, Blackburn and Fulham were the top three. And they all got promoted and stayed in the Premier League. So it weren't like three teams that went up yeah. and... Down. Yeah, it was like three teams that stayed in the Premier League. Yeah. Just unfortunate that was the season. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that was the one. It was to be fair. You know, we, we got to the playoff final, and, and I remember it. We we were like we said, we were basically League One twelve months before. Yeah, we were playing in this game, one game away from playing all the grounds we dreamed of, and they had like Colin Endry and Dean Oldsworth playing, and just veteran internationals that just went. This is just another game, and and they won the game. I, I'd say comfortably, but you know. Looking back on it, we didn't give us a chance. But to get to that level, it was because players like John Macken just stepped up to the next level and showed. Them. And they were, he was, um, yeah, he was top notch. Went to Man City for, for five million pound and you know played for them. And then went to a couple other clubs. And um, but he, he probably didn't. And it's hard to when you score fifty goals in two seasons. You know, it's yeah. And then you go to the Premier League. I mean, who does that in the Premier League? So, yeah. but he had a, he had a fantastic career. He, he was brilliant as a. Was a right back at the time that had a lot of ball. You know those passes. You know you can just yeah. give it the off and wrap it into the strikers' feet. And that he was he was perfect for playing off of that. So he was he was top. He would he would be straight down the middle. Okay. Was he, wasn't um, that big? Was he? No, I, I, that's what I mean. I think he was. I reckon probably five ten, five eleven. Um, be. I mean, honestly, his thighs were like. That's why I say Mark Hughes. It was just like pure power and just roll here, You know what I mean? So centre outs at him and he just swapped him out of the way with his, his power and, just, and bang in. But yeah, good, good lad, great lad as well for pitch. Um, so he's uh, he's the he's the forward of the front. Forward. And then we've got two players either either side of him, and they can both play off either side. Um, I'll go for the one that's starting on the left first. 
that I played with Burnley. Um, I could give you an easy tip to say he also made Steve's team. Um, but one of the two. Um, but he, no, I played I play with Burnley. And, it, and you know what, he played, I played against him quite a bit. Um, in the younger days in the, in the other levels and I always thought he was a really skillful player but a bit of a, a luxury sort of thing like a bit like I don't know if you'd win anything with him like and I probably put it, and then when I played with him I went this guy is magic he, he's unbelievable and he was the one one of those players similar to the other one that I'm going to speak about is the game's 0-0 1-1 you go how are we going to win this and it's like I reckon it's going to be him I'm, I'm thinking one of them, one of one of them either side has to be. I'm guessing now, Robbie Blake. Yeah, Robbie Blake. Yeah, Robbie Blake. He's um, he was. A, I mean, honestly, I played against him. I played against him a couple of times when I was at Preston and he was at Burnley, and, and he was he was really hard because he could go right or left foot. He could score from thirty yards or chip the kin I always thought there was a way you could maybe make it hard for him, like get physical with him or something like that, and. It, but when I played with him, I was like, actually, no, you can't. He's a tough, he's a tough boy. You know, you can, mm. you can bump him, but he'll give give me the ball again. He'll take the hits because he, he he had a big ass as well. And he could roll people and that, and he could take the hits. But right foot, left foot. I mean, he's, he was brilliant in the season we got promoted. Um, me and him played every single game, uh, and then he scored obviously in our our first win in the Premier League. He scored that that wonder goal against Man United when when we won there. We scored that volley that. Gets, Still getting shown now, like and uh, but as as a as a character off the pitch, by far the funniest man, apart from you, Marv. <laughs> apart from you, the funniest man I've ever met. He was he was absolutely hilarious, and and honestly, no one, even the manager or coaching staff or anyone, was out of bounds for him. It was like he would just he would debug the coaches. He would he would he'd just give him a little. Hong Kong fooey chop on their Adam's apple to stop them talking like sometimes <laughs> you know it just just little things like that and um, you know I, I, me- I remember the, the goalkeeping coach at, at Burnley we, we were at a hotel and uh, you know we're getting served by the, by the girl who's serving the, the food now and he's got his start his soup in one hand and he's asking for his whatever his, his, his food his, his, I don't know, his spaghetti bolognese on, on his plate like that and Blakey's behind him and as soon as he gets food put on that plate and he's got that he just went, whipped his trousers down <laughs> in front of this, this waitress and like he can't do anything about it because he's got his hands full with a hot plate <laughs> and he's like that honestly this is a goalkeeping coach and honestly put the plates down pulled his pants up and he's chasing Blakey around the pit and he, around the hotel wanted, honestly want to kill him and Blakey's laughing He'd do it. He'd do it with the assistant manager. I like, remember that Owen Call was um, he was going nuts at us after a game, and because um, we got beat two 0 this in our first season, he's crazy. And as he's doing it, his teeth have popped out. Like you know, like he's got dentures, and, yeah. and he's caught them like on his lip. Like Owen, Owen Call, like because he's going nuts. We're all like, looking down at the ground, like starting, you know, chuckle away like the. Ground. And then <laughs> Owen Call was brilliant, and it, he put him back in anyway. And we we're in the shower afterwards. And he coming out. Blakey, I can't believe you didn't nail me for that, for my teeth flying out and all this. Because like, even Blakey at that point was like, there was anything, but we'd just be beat 2-0. But he was just, I think if Blakey had said somewhere, I think Coyley would just be like, ah, good one, yeah. You know what I mean? He just had that sort of, yeah. he'd say something to you that would cut you down, but he'd just be smiling and you'd just laugh. And, you know, he's, I mean, we won the playoff on him and he had these pants on, these red red pants on him that became a bit of a lucky charm for him because he used to play cards all the time. And he was called Bad Beat Bob. 
because whatever card game he But he had it printed on his ass on, on these pants. And when the game, on his footage after the game, he's, he's running around Wembley, got smacking the ass with these pants on, like, and he's just head the ball, mate. But honestly, an absolute magician on the brilliant. Like, yeah, any, any skills game, volleys and stuff like that. It was like Blakey was a winner, but he was just mm. the top player. Great lad, brilliant lad off the pitch. One of those guys where, you know, you, you, if you did get beat, you were gutted and that within 10 minutes, he'd be chirping around, he'd be getting everyone back at it and all this lot. And just, he was perfect for, he was perfect for our team there. And he was perfect for Owen Cole, who loved that positive environment. You know, and he, he was great for that. He was, he was a nightmare to play again. He was one of them where you could go, we're struggling here, get Blakey, get Blakey. And, it, and, it, and it'd barely be, he'd put a top, top line. So, and, he, and he played in the Premier League, Burnley, Bolton, Bradford well before. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, he, he, had a, he had a fantastic career. All right. Is there another winger on the other side? Yeah, the, the other one is um, really similar to Blakey, as in the way the player and as as you look to him to open doors. But this is a player that I played with Scotland. Um, he was a young lad when he came into the squad, unknown to to me, but coming through the ranks at Motherwell, and he was um, he got he got sort of he was a street for you know just a, a guy where he'd nutmeg you, he'd chip the keeper, he was just. He was, a, he was a sort of throwback to the traditional Scottish players of the 60s and 70s, you know, the, the players that they sort of love. And um, he eventually, he came down to and uh, he came down to England with Everton at first under David Moyes, then went on to play for Birmingham as well under Alex McLeish. Mac, Max, Mac, yeah. Mac. I was going to say Gary. I was going to say Gary. Mac's a good guess if he's Scottish. <laughs> Mac, Mac, is it Mac Fadden? McFadden, James McFadden. Oh, I was going to go Naismith. Okay, yeah. No, no McFadden, yeah. yeah. After, after me, to be fair, he came in the squad after me. But no, James, James McFadden was, um, yeah. he uh, he came into the squad, I think he was about 19, and uh, he was just a he was just a boy, really. But, like, he had this little ponytail at the back. He was, honestly, it was, but he came on the pitch, and he, who's this? You know, it was just frightening. And, and he, came, he came on, he was on my first, um, my first sort of squad. I was 13. I think he was about 19. And we went to Hong Kong and played a round of games. And, and he missed the flight back because we had a night out on the last night. And uh, he didn't make it back to the hotel. So we're, everyone's on the flight apart from him. And it's his first trip, 19. First like, trip. Like, but that, no, he, he got, he had to fly home about two days later. One of the liaison geezers had to stay behind. But he was like, and, and at, at the time, I was thinking, well, that be, I hope that's not the last we see of him because great, great quality player and young lad. And to be fair, Bertie Vokes, the manager at the time, was like a young player, made a mistake, that's it. And he came in and, and he was just, uh, he was similar, so similar to Robbie Blake where, you know, we, we, we played some big teams, Italy, France. We beat France twice and, and we knew we were going to be under the cosh against these teams. You know, it was like, we're not going to see much of the ball and we're not going to create 10, 12 fiend chances. Our chances are of getting anything out of this game, clean sheet, defend and defend and be strong and get the ball to, to Faddy. And he might do something. You know, he, he, you know, he might dribble from the halfway line past three. But he did, you know, in the, in the second time we beat France, it was Paris and it was it was mental. It's probably something more. It was like, we'd been under the cosh, of course, we playing France in Paris and this lot. And then we'd already beaten one nil the year before, so they were for revenge. And this was all their start, a river at the lock. We had a goal kick, played it up, clicked on to Faddy. And honestly about 10 yards over the halfway line, turned, hit it like on the on the turn, and it flies in the top corner. And it's like, <laughs> it's just pandemonium. And we won 1-0 again. And it was like, it was probably our only shot. It was the only player on the pitch that would have even tried that. Or do, but he didn't care. 
He didn't care. He played up front on his own against like, you know, Taram and people like that. And he's trying to nutmeg on, you know, think out of the head and, and all this lot. And he was just a lad that come from the street of Scotland, nutmegging his mates, playing five hours, playing, you know, all that sort of thing, head tennis and that, and then just took it onto the pitch. Just fearless. Yeah, yeah, fearless. Unbelievably fearless. You know, they have, they, have a, yeah. they have a saying for him in Scotland, he's gallus. And that's what they call it. It's like that, give me the ball, I'll do this. You know, yeah. like the, yeah. the, the old Scottish players are sitting, you know, Jimmy Johnson, like that. And he was a throwback to that era. So the fans loved him. The players loved him because he was a great, great guy, you know, and, and, and he helped us win games that we probably didn't deserve to win or shouldn't have won. You know what I mean? And, you know, even my last game for Scotland, you know, if Gap, I think it was Macedonia at home and he got the ball around the halfway line. One of those where the line steps up and he just played it through for himself. Nutmeg the centre half and went round him and, up, and then put the keeper on his arse, went round him and just rolled it into an empty net. It was like pure, like George Best type goal, right. you know what I mean? And, and that's the great guy off the pitch, you know what I mean? Really weren't bothered about the trapping, all that sort of stuff. Just wanted to be out there taking free kicks, scoring penalties, chipping keepers, playing fight, you know, brilliant. And, and I loved, I loved the. The, the, the sort of those type of players did things that I, I, I never could. You know, I mean, never, you know, win, but these guys would try things. Go for mm-hmm. And I think as I got older, I'm glad I played with these when I was older because at you, a younger, I would have gone, he's so greedy. He's this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just got to pass them, just keep it simple. But these didn't. They tried the hard things, they tried the, the amazing things. And it didn't always come off. You know, I'd give them that. But do you know what? They gave us, you know, when we were at Burnley, we were a team that were underdogs that would go, you know, at the top end of the championship and then went into the Premier League. But Robbie Blake gave us a chance to win. Yeah. With Scotland, we were playing Germany, Holland, France. We were the underdogs by a mile, but he gave us a chance to win. And that those type of players, I, I, I sort of grew to actually appreciate more as I, I knew what the game was more about. And 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 the fans loved them as well because they could do things that normal players couldn't do. So. I think with those three players up front, with John down the middle and Blakey and, and yeah. Fab, Fab off the yeah. side, they could they just create and score goals for fun. And um, and to be fair, all all of them, all all of them, these players, you would look to sit in a change room next to and look at. I'm going to go out and do things today. And that that is one of, yeah, it's you know I'd, I'd love to I would love to pick myself in that team. Do you know what I mean? But I, think, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think I think I'll put myself as first of. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. But like, who is going to manage that team? Which manager? I mean, we haven't really spoke a lot about the managers, but I mean, you've mentioned it briefly, like Bertie Volz and David Moyes. So, I mean, yeah, it's um, yeah. Look, I, when I when I came to Luton, obviously, I, I think similar to Steve, I think I was originally meant to sign under David Pleat, but he left that summer to to go to Sheffield Wednesday. I think you know Terry Wesley, and um, you know. He, it was, it was a tough time for Terry, I think, you know, coming from the youth team into the first team to influence everybody. And, and um, so I, did, I only had a, a brief spell, you know, five months under Terry. And then obviously Lenny came in and he was the manager the whole time I was at Luke after that. And, uh, you know, I, he was brilliant with me, Lenny, in my, in my last year there because I spoke to Lenny the previous summer and, and that's I played in midfield up until that time. And I said, look, I, I'm 27 and, and I... I've not played the bottom two divisions. You know, I want to play higher. And I feel that my best chance is to play at right back. I think that's where I first started. I came into the game as an apprentice as a fullback. I said, and I've never played then at the first team level. And I think that's why my career is stalled. And I said, I want to play, I want to play right back. I think I'll play right back. Great for you and this, that, the other. And um, I think Jules got injured. I think Julian James broke his leg quite badly at Bristol Road yes, the year before, unfortunately. And um, I think he tried a couple of players there. And after 
me speaking to him, he said, right, okay, I'll, I'll give you a go there, play there. And like, and, uh, and, and I did say to him, and it, I think it might be a hard thing to say or to listen here as a manager. I don't know. Um, well, I do know as a manager, but I said to him, look, he goes, I don't think anyone will sign me if it, if it costs a fee. You know, it, I don't think anyone will pay money for me 27. I said, so I'm not going to sign a new contract. He goes, this is my last year and I'm going to re-sign. Um, and it's pure for football. Just want to, I want to, I want to, Bosman had come in two years before or something. Yep. Bosman rule. And I said, I think if I, if I have a good season, I'm out there on a free, I might get picked up by as a, as a free sort of thing. And, um, you know, Lenny, okay, okay, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pretty you know, blase about it or something. But and then, you know, a couple of months, you know, I started the season well. We started the season well, Lou, and, you know, we, we, we had some good results and everything. And he offered me a new, like, the club wanted me to offer me a new contract, you know, as a senior player. Because by then, we'd sold a lot of players, haven't we, Marv? You know, there weren't yeah. many senior players left, really. And, and Steve then, gone then, I think? And Steve No, no, Steve, Steve went that January. You know, oh, so right. He, and um, so I said, look, I'm not. I'm not going to sign any. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. This at the early. Okay. Okay. You know, got to do what I've got to do as manager. You know, and all this lot doing his hands and all this lot. And uh, but he was. Well, and um, and it, and it, when I think about three times through the season, they offered me new contracts, decent money, and all this lot. But I, you know, I was determined. I, I I wanted to try and play at a higher level, and I didn't. With what had happened at Luton over the previous couple of years, I didn't think Luton was going to get back to there because of the money yeah. situation and, and yeah. selling all the, the good players. And uh, so I was like, and to be fair to Lenny, it would have been easy for him to go, well, well I'm not going to play you or anything like that. He never even considered, never did that. You know, I, could, I think he knew that I was I was doing it for the right reasons because it was football reasons only. Um, but I, I, I must admit, I, I was getting nervous probably in the February because I only had four months left on my contract. I had a, a mortgage, and my missus, like my, my son, my, my wife was pregnant with the, the twins, which we knew were twins by then. I was like, oh no, that's even more money. What am I doing? <laughs> I, had about, I had about a quid in the bank and I had four months left on my contract. And I was like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? And then as we were talking yesterday, that lad, Paul Buckle, nearly broke my ankle in a tackle. Yeah. And I was, you know what I mean? And I, I was out for a few weeks and I was like, what am I doing here? And and then they offered me another contract. And I, but I was like, if I sign that contract, that's my chance of playing at high level gone. I'm doing it because yeah. I've got more to pay or this. I spoke to Karen. I said, look, are you okay with me just having a gamble, basically? And, and she was going, whatever you want to do before, it's your career, this, that, the other. She was brilliant. And Lenny was like that as well. And um, and it came to the, the deadline day and, um, and 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 Preston and Burnley come in for me. And and, and Lenny was Lenny was fantastic. And he goes, look, spoke, speak to both clubs. They, you know, both big clubs, this, that, the other. He's, and uh, he said, if... If, if it's true about what you want to do football-wise, he said, you should go to Preston. He goes, it's a club that's going that way up. They were second at the time in the league. You know what I mean? Burnley were at the bottom of the, that same division. I'll, I'll be honest, I was, I was disappointed at the first because they were both still in the same division as Luton. So I was like, I still haven't got my move to the Championship or whatever. But Lenny was brilliant. Man. I remember on the day I was up, up in Preston and I was ringing him and I was really unsure about which club. When I told him how it had gone and all this, like, he goes... Graham, he goes, you're going for football reasons. He goes, I know it's not about money for you. This that year, he goes, my, take it or leave it. He goes, but for what you want want from your game, go to Preston. And and that had a big sway on me because he is, I actually later found out that, and I hope I don't get Lenny into trouble for this, but I, I think Burnley had offered Luton a bigger transfer fee, a bigger fee. Not not loads, but a little bit more. But I think 
he knew my reason for joining. Yeah. Who I'd try, I, we'd been really honest with each other right from the start, and everything. And and I'd never forget that. You know what I mean? From Lenny, to be fair. And um, you know, I've seen him. I've seen him ten days ago. You know, at Stevenage, we played Stevenage, and he was there, and he was great. And I was talking to him about this podcast and that, and he was he was buzzing about it, like you know, he's, you know, I, I said, you know, I'd listen to Steve Davis and talking really well about you, and he's, of course, they're going to talk well of me, Grace. So you know, we had a great time and all this stuff. So. It was brilliant. Honestly, if you could get Lenny on this, I know. I mean, I think I think he's one. He's one definitely. I'm going to try and get on it because, like, yeah. I mean, like you just said, I mean, a genuine, genuine guy who, I mean, especially coming towards the end of myself and Steve Greer, like we used to be the, like the Mitchell. We used to be the, like the the Monday crew where yeah. you look, it would come in and you go. You just go on the bike today. You go on the bike today. You don't need to train today. And you need to look after yeah. you. It's great man management skills. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was one of his biggest things, the man management side of it, and that and that that stood out for me then when he knew that I was actually leaving, but he still had that care for his player. Yeah, that still, you know, the, it weren't well. Well, you're no good to me now, so I don't care where you sign. Bugger yeah, like, like you said, still, he could have he could have left you out. He could have left you out. I'm deliberately left you he out. He could have left me out. He could have done anything. He goes right. I'm not changing. I'm not playing you right back. Are you playing here? Are you playing? He never did. He was always. He, I, th- I think it was both ways, you know what I mean? I think he never seen me change in my approach to training or game or anything. You know, he, even that tackle that he put me out, I still went for the ball. I had a certain amount of months left on my contract. I was still competing and tackling and all this stuff. So, but the, the, I'd say a couple of managers after that, for me, had massive impacts on my career. Um, David Moyes first, because I went to Preston and he, he turned me from a player that was, I, I think letting bad habits sit, seep into my training into my way of life um and show me what it was to be a, a real professional i mean every single day without every single minute of every single day and he was really really tough on me. i mean like you know he, he said how he said he was going to be tough on me and, and make me a better player but i thought it'd take about a month and then he'd leave me alone and, and get on you know what i mean but it, it was every single day for three years basically and he never let me ne- never let me off from anything, um, and was re- uh, you know at times I resented him for it. And and you, why did you sign me? You obviously think I'm crap. You know what I mean? But it's like <laughs> no, because I think you should be here, not here. And it was always that. And it was. And I remember the, the day the penny dropped. It was two years in, and I'd had an argument with him again because we had these analysis meetings on a mo- every Monday morning. And honestly, if you were like two yards out of line, he'd notice it. Or this, and he was really strict with the defenders and all this stuff. And um, I just go, here we go, it's me again. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, here we go, get Greza. All this, like, talking like an idiot, you know what I mean? And um, and he pulled me outside after, and uh, he showed me this newspaper cutting, and it was like it had been pushing in the papers in Scotland for me to be called up for the Scotland squad. And I was like, oh, he goes, that's how much I think, or how good I think you can be. And I was like, right. And I swear, Marv, the penny just went flop in my head. I went, I am going to listen to this guy, whatever he says, and just go like that and get on with it. Because he, he's just made me a better player, a better professional and everything. And and a month after he left, even the day he left, he left to go to manage Everton. He pulled me to the side. He said, I've got a meeting with the Scotland manager next week. And he goes, I'm still going to push the case. I'm still going to push for you. And he wasn't even my manager. You know, then he'd left to go, and a month later, I make my debut for Scotland, and 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 that was thirty at the time when he left. And basically, I had David Moyes sitting on my shoulder, talking in this ear for the next ten years. Do you know what I mean? Every time that 
if I if I did something that I felt wasn't professional or I didn't train right, I could hear him in my head. Do you know what I mean? Saying, yeah. that's not good. You're better than that. This, that, the other. And, and I swear, he, he, he turned my, my career upside down. Without a doubt, I wouldn't have played in the Premier League. I wouldn't have played tours. I wouldn't have played for Scotland if I hadn't signed for David Moore when I left Luton, without a shadow of a doubt. And um, he's, he, he was brilliant for me. And then when I left Preston to go to Burnley, the man who sort of reinvented me, like... I, I got changed. I went into midfield with Steve Cottrell, then went back to fullback. But then with Owen Core, he came in and he was, uh, and he changed me from fullback to mid- centre midfield. We started the season, we got beat. The first, uh, this, the first two games of the season, we got beat 3 1 and 4 0 on the um, first two games of the season. Bottom of the league, championship, one goal, no points. And then we got Crystal Palace away in the next game. And I'm walking from the hotel to the, the coach, I'm about to get on the coach, and, and Coyley gets off the bus. He goes, Greg, can I have a word? And I was like, ah, I'm not playing. You know what I mean? I was, I, was <laughs> I, was, I was ready to go all off on one of my rants while I should be playing on the list. Like, I was like, and he goes, I'm going to play in front of the back four today. I went, right, brilliant. And I got on the bus before he could say anything else. And that, and that was it. And, and, and I never played another game at fullback for the next five years. He didn't, he didn't, <laughs> honestly, and, and even in changing, Steve, Steve, Steve Davis come up to me. I, I goes, you know, I've never played this, Steve. Just... Protect, use your intelligence, protect the back four and get on the ball. That's it. That's all the gaffer wants you to do. I went, right, okay. And and that was it. And, and we drew nil-nil against nine men, by the way, at Crystal Palace. And we're high-fiving each other because we've got a clean sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Again, against nine men. And we were like, yeah, get in. One point on the board, clean sheet. And all this stuff. But then we drew the next one nil-nil. And then we won. Then we were, and we ended up just going on an amazing run. And we play, we, uh, we got to the, Carling Cup semi-final, um, beat Arsenal, Chelsea, Fulham. There's a championship club on the way. And then we got promoted at the end of the season. And it was like, and and at that moment in my career, I, it just reinvented me and, and gave me a new lease of life. And he was the complete opposite of David Moyes. Is, as in, see, I, I the success I had on David Moyes and then Billy Davis at Preston, it was very um, aggressive, structured, professional and always like, and, and that's, but Owen Cole was all about fun. Positivity, never, never said. Honestly, I can't remember him saying anything negative to me in two years. It was like, Graham, you're the best player I've ever seen. And I knew he's, I knew he's bullshitting me. It was like, but he made me feel great, and he did that with all the players. And it was like, and I just couldn't, I couldn't believe how positive he could be all the time. And I was like, I, I feel great. And I remember, I remember him. You know that Monday club you're talking about there, like yeah. Lenny and that. I remember him coming up to me before a cup game. Um, it was it was early in the season. We had Preston North End on Saturday in the league, and um, and he, obviously it was at deep down. And he and he, he come. I can't remember we played on the Tuesday. It was a lower league team in, in the cup on the Tuesday. And he said he pulled me on the day before. He goes, Grez, look, big game Saturday, Preston. He goes, you know, uh, I, I need you available. He goes, he goes, um, what do you think about me resting you t- tomorrow in the cup game? As, and I just said to him, I said, Gaff, look, I can't physically say I don't want to play a game for because I can't, I can't do it. I'll never do it. I can't, I can't actually say it because, you know, it could, it could be my last ever game. I might never play another game again. And then, I've not, you know, so I just said, I'll, if you make the decision, you make the decision, but I will never, ever say I don't want to train or don't want to play a game to it. He went, right, okay, and walked off. And I played absolutely every game that season. You know, I played 66 games that season. You know, at, 30, at 37, at 37, wow. I played 61 for Burnley, five for Scotland, and 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 I only came off in two of them, like 15 minutes ago. So honestly, That's unreal. But he, he didn't care about my age. He did, he, you know, he didn't, you know, I he didn't care. About me. Yeah. He, he just, yeah. he just cared. He loves playing. I love that enthusiasm. I want to be. A, 
Honestly, it was like, and what it gave me was, it gave me as a, as a future manager and coach, actually there's more than one way of being successful. It doesn't have to just be that way. It could be this way as well. You know what I mean? And, and it gave me, a, I, I felt a good balance going into to coaching and managing that I, I saw the positives that David Moyes had, the way he managed, how it brought out but also how the positives from Alan called. It was completely different, but how you could still be successful that way as well. And for me, as that, those two managers were brilliant for me. But if I was going to pick one manager that, it would be David Moyes because I, I, I wouldn't have had the career I felt I, I was looking enough to go on to have if I hadn't made that decision to sign for him in, in the first place. So uh, for me, the manager for that that team. That's, that's great. I mean, um, again, we, we're about finished now and we normally finish with, when we spoke about it yesterday, we laughed about it yesterday, like your most memorable looting game and why. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the same one of, of yeah. what Steve's is, but I mean, if it is, it is. It, it, yeah, I think like, you know, it's, it was... Um, you know, the first year, it was tough because we, we obviously got relegated you know, from the championship. So it was more them. And, and I didn't feel part, part of it. But then after that, I did. And that, but it was right, you know, listening to you, your last podcast with Steve. And, that, and, that, and, and I was thinking, when I started thinking about games, when he started talking, I was thinking, like, what, was my, what would be my game? And I was thinking, well, it'd be at, it would be at Luton. It'd be a night game. Because it, it was a good, great atmosphere, wasn't it? And I was thinking, and then I just remember you, you scoring that goal. Like, <laughs> oh, it's the Ipswich game. And then... I was listening to Steve and I was going, he's going to pick the same game. Steve's going to pick the same game. Like, you know? <laughs> and it was honestly, it was just, it was brilliant because I thought we had a brilliant, um, like, uh, sort of environment and, and team spirit and great. And, and we had a couple of good, real good results against some bigger teams, you know, bigger cl- clubs at a higher level than us. And, and I thought that, I, listen, Marv, your goals weren't plenty, were they? You know what I mean? They, no, you know, no, they weren't. You know, I think, yeah, hold on. So it was like, <laughs> it's it, true. It, but I just, you know, in those games where it's two in and throwing and you go, oh, we've lost it. Oh, we've won it. Oh, we've lost it again. Yeah. And you know what? When you spoke in the last one about Lenny on the bench, you know, yes. I, I've seen that footage. Where it's like, oh, no. What's... And Lenny was like disaster or catastrophe yeah. or success. Yeah. It? And, um, and it was, it was like we had it, then we threw it away. And then I just remember that feeling. I still get goosebumps now, that feeling. I do. You come back and, and you score. And, and, and I've still got a picture. I tried to find it last night to, to show, but I'm seeing you running off like that, and I'm right behind you trying to catch you. And that shows you how slow I was, Andrew. Like, I couldn't catch that. You know? <laughs> so um, it was just, you know, it was one of those where it was a brilliant night, brilliant atmosphere. Yeah. Won it, lost it, won it. Um, the, 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 what it meant to the team. I think, I'm sure that was the game where the chairman said he'd buy us a, a music centre for the... Yeah, I think it was, actually. ...game or something like that. But, you know, I'm speaking now with Marv, but, you know, out of all the players that I would love to have scored that goal, it was Marv. That, 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 because he didn't score that often, but he was a one-club man. Yeah. That, you know, loved Luton. And all the players loved him. All his teammates, all the staff, you know, Cherry upstairs. Everyone loved you, Marv. You know what I mean? And... Every, every player loved him. Every player's missus loved him. Every player's kid loved him. It was like, do you know, it was like, and and those moments, I think, when you when you score a goal like that and it's so special now, I, I think I think they're great when they, they belong to someone who's special like that. And that, that's how I felt from that, that I'm glad it was Marv that scored that goal. It was, look, it was, it was one round and it was, it was, but it was such a brilliant game to be involved in. And 
see Marv's like beaming grin when when he's going, and, and everyone just loved it. It was it was brilliant, wasn't it? I, I, no, I, no I, 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 I have to I have to agree with you that about the I mean the two in and throwing we've 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 done it now we've lost it and yeah. again it it being a night game at Kenilworth Road those yeah. night games had, was something special. If it was a two in or throwing two in or throwing and on a Saturday afternoon, I just don't think it would have been the same. Do you know what I mean? That night no. game and the atmosphere of the supporters and the fans, just it just meant, like, yeah. it was a bit more special. It's just weird. I don't know. I can't yeah. explain it. Yeah, no, it, it is. I think I think there's, uh, there's definitely an atmospheric advantage to that. And I, th- I think it, it caps... I still think it would have been a special game. It would have been, you know what I mean? Let's, let's be honest. But it was almost like... Every aspect you could add to like yeah. a special game, it had. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that and that's what it had. And a, a, a last minute winner for a club legend and, and such a popular guy. It's it was it was brilliant. And uh, I I mean you probably remember. What, I can't remember. I was saying to you yesterday, I, I can't remember loads of stuff you managers spoke before and after games and that. And you know I can imagine Lenny being after that. Like you know what I mean? Just. I bet one I minute no, I can't. I can't remember. Brilliant, and I bet you slagging us off, going, "These guys are idiots." And then one minute later, "Oh, these guys are love them." And you know, but, but I mean, the, the, the thing is that I mean, in typical Lenny again. It's like the, the, I think there was one of the interviews. He's gone. He's talking afterwards, and he's saying, what do "You mean you thought you thought he was out?" And then obviously he goes, "We were out," and then we were in, and then he goes, "We're out," and then Marvin pops up as he does every ten years. Also, there's one goal. He goes, but, it, but he, then he goes, oh, Marv can take a goal. He can take a goal. He can take a goal, yeah. Marv can. He, like, he, so like, he, he was giving me a, like, a little bit stick, but at yeah. the same time, giving me a compliment. Yeah. It, I mean, I to be fair, whenever I was in front of goal, I was relatively, for a defender, calm. I mean, I don't know yeah. why. I just, there was always something where I didn't panic. I didn't rush or anything. And, and it was like, yeah, Richard Wright, um, England or whatever ex goalkeeper, he, he just he just he just locked it, and it was just like coming to my head, and I just thought, just put it on the goal, sort of thing. It was just it just it felt like it was slow motion to me when it happened. Yeah. If that makes sense, yeah. you know what? I think thinking about it, it did seem like it was slow motion. But I think I think that what you're saying there, I think that was you though, Marv, wasn't it? You know, I think you did that when you were defending as well. You didn't ever look flustered or snatch at clearances and stuff like that. I think that's just in your nature, nature yeah, and your yeah. personality. So, but you, you probably took it from all over the pitch, you know what I mean, sort of thing. I think um, Nick come out in that. So it was, yeah, it just, you know, it was it was a, a memorable was a good game, great game. A memorable game, you know, even if it had ended 3-3 or something like that. But it needed some punchline and that, that, was, that was a brilliant punchline. Yeah, it was a great feeling like well, Fantastic. excellent. I mean, that's it. I, hopefully, you've enjoyed it, Grace. I mean, I mean, we've yeah. enjoyed it. Um, Andrew's done his best to stay awake. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's must be. What time is it there now? Half one. Oh no, jeez, oh, half one. Oh, sorry, mate. I know I can go once I get talking about football and old times. All good. All so, good. It's all good. Well, I'll, um, what we'll say is we'll say thank you so much, Graham Alexander, um, for your. Your best 11. Fantastic yeah. to, to speak to you. Um, and a fantastic team. A mixture of Preston, Burnley um, and um, a kind of loot and kind of Luton player in as well. So and Scotland as well. So um, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Excellent. Guys. It's been a pleasure, guys.